She liked it. She retweeted it, and then she followed us. And we're That's like, right. What? It was such an unnerving film for me to watch the first time I saw it. And I do think that it stands up. First, if you ever wanted to make a list of, uh, you know, worst psychiatrists in horror movies, <laughs> this one definitely deserves a spot That's on a the good list. list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Welcome back to Gateway Film Center, High Street, Columbus, Ohio, for the latest Fright Club Live. We appreciate you coming out tonight, and we are going to talk about Housewives in horror and show a, a, a great movie that I, I don't know how many people here have already seen swallow a couple yeah, a couple okay. maybe maybe half about 50, so that's 50. good yeah, yeah about 50 50 but that's good and then of course we'll, we'll talk about it later but before we get to this week by the way she is hope madden he's george wolf and we are from madwolf.com doing this fright club live uh podcast here once a month second friday of every month here at gateway uh so please keep coming out and last time was our in studio. Yes. In studio edition of Fright Club. And we had a great special guest on, the director of Slapface, filmmaker Jeremiah Kipp joined us. And he was just a, he was a delight. He really was a delight. And we talked about brothers, brothers in horror movies, which is really, really fun because um, we got to talk about a lot of our, really our, just some of my very favorite movies. And he had so much knowledge and he was just such a lovely person. If you haven't had a chance to see Slapface, it's on Shudder, among other things. But you should definitely check it out. It's a great movie. Yeah, and he let us know that he's working on a new one right now called Boo Hag. Mm -hmm. It should be out, uh, what, later? Well, I think they were doing color correction, so yeah. he probably doesn't have a date yet. Okay, but look for that uh, in the coming months. So thank you to Jeremiah Kipp. And we also, it was pointed out by many. Many. <laughs> many. <laughs> many. We get it. We forgot from dusk till dawn. Yeah. Our apologies. <laughs> a lot of people were actually, you know who they were maddest at? George. Because they thought, surely you haven't forgotten that movie. But he totally forgot there were brothers in it. That's he what has I... no recollection now of there being brothers in that movie. <laughs> There's one scene in that movie that, for some reason, gets my attention right. more than any other That's scene. Right. That's what I call a show. fucking show. That's right. Yeah, so th we apologize. Once in a while, one slips through the cracks. Yeah. And that was one from Dust Till Dawn. Uh, but yeah, thanks for the, uh, the comments on that. So now we look ahead to tonight. It's Housewives in Horror. And that opens up a lot of possibilities. It does. Hopefully we won't forget any obvious ones. Right. But since we got a top five, uh, including the one obviously we're going to show tonight, uh, a few just bubbling right under. They right. could have made it but didn't. So what do we got? So, so first of all, it was it was very close to being trophy wives. But uh, I liked housewives. There there was one in particular that I wanted to include that was definitely not a trophy wife. So that was one of the reasons that it didn't. And then there were a lot of movies that are like thrillers, but maybe not horror films, including the one we're going to watch yeah, including today. Including this one, yeah. That that I would include um, Safe, which is a great, very oh. unnerving movie with uh, uh, Julianne Moore by Todd, Todd Haynes. Haynes. Yeah, um, Eyes Wide Shut. Mm -hmm. Not everybody. I think the whole problem in Eyes Wide Shut is that Nicole Kidman's character doesn't have a job. If she had a job, <laughs> she had something to occupy her time and her mind. None of that would have happened. That's my particular <laughs> thought. Mother, that's an alarming film. It is. Yeah. Very polarizing Very. as well. I think we both liked it, mm -hmm. but it's and, and it's open to so many different interpretations, and I know uh, there's a camp that just hates it. Yeah. Just hates it. Enjoyed is the wrong word. It made me so uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I kept going, she's telling you not to sit on the table. Just don't sit <laughs> on that goddamn table. That's true. It's so unnerving. But it's also the film that brought together the, the two broods. Yes. You got the Gleasons. You did. 
and the Scars Guards right. together. It's crazy. Yeah. And then uh, the other one that is Season of the Witch, which even though it's George Romero, it's absolutely not a horror film. So that was one. And then there's one horror film, clearly a horror film. And I suppose, technically speaking, because she doesn't have a job. Anyway, Rosemary's Baby. I didn't include Rosemary's Baby because she doesn't strike me as a housewife. And I know that maybe she ought to, but she just doesn't. So anyway, obviously, it's a brilliant film, mm-hmm. and we talk about it all the time. Well, yeah, and that's another reason to maybe l- yeah. let, let it alone this time mm-hmm. and talk about something else, because I know there's at least a couple of these that we haven't talked about before, which will, be, which will be good, it's including, I think, number five, I don't think that we've talked about uh, before. By your girlfriend. And this is a good one. <laughs> uh, do you want to start right in, or anything else to talk about before we... Before well, we let's dive jump in. in. Okay. Let's jump in and not watch trailers. <laughs> it's very cinematic. That's a joke just for the, the, the house here. We're having some technical difficulties That's right. that we're going to fix in the podcast version. It'll be just fine. <laughs> but uh, we'll start with number five on our list of Housewives in Horror. This is from 2021. Anne, married to a small town minister, feels her life has been shrinking over the past 30 years, encountering the master. Brings her a new sense of power and an appetite to live bolder. However, the change comes with a heavy body count. This is Jacob's wife. That's odd. You've got new teeth coming in. What? Eh. Oh, good, you're home. Get changed. I'd like to go out. 40 years I've known this woman. Every day the same. Now, I don't know who I'm coming home to. How much of that could I get? You want the blood? I feel more alive than I have in years. Hey, Mrs. Fetter, you all right? Mrs. Fetter? It wasn't me. Of course it was you! This was a great showcase for Barbara Crampton a few years ago, who is always a favorite, and... Larry Fessenden. And Larry Fessenden, who plays the uh, the pastor in this. And this is extra special for us because not only when we we wrote our review and published it, Barbara Crampton, not only she liked it, she retweeted it, and then she followed us. And we're That's like, right. what? Barbara Crampton? That's Barbara right. F. Crampton? Barbara F. Crampton. And he says us, which is very generous because he wrote the review. He gave it the title that she liked and quoted in her tweet. And, and so honestly, yeah, the she's title the, he's the reason that Barbara Crampton was the lady is a vamp. That's and she right. liked that. She did. Um, but anyway, enough about us. Um, <laughs> this is a fun film and she is she's great in it. Obviously, it qualifies for tonight because she is. She's just she's taken this role of this pastor's wife. And she and it really is a role that she has to play. She's just meek and mild and in the background, and then she has this encounter with, as the synopsis says, a master, and things change a little bit. I want to just point out quickly, so the master is played by Bonnie Ahrens, who is also the nun, and the dumpster monster from Mulholland Drive. So just a a glorious, striking figure, and she makes a great vampire, very androgynous, very tall i love the tall girls <laughs> and it's just she's she she you know she's not in it much but she adds something really eerie and and dark to this film but i think one of the things i love about this movie is the way it doesn't exactly resolve itself like barbara crampton's character she just realizes this is not a life this is not a life for for me you know and it's it's her sort of coming of middle age really and she you know she turns into some you're, the whole time you're like I, don't go back to not being a vampire, Barbara Crampton. You're so hot right now. <laughs> um, but I love also the, 
I love the ambiguous ending. I love the relationship and how it evolves between the the husband and wife, Jacob Mm -hmm. and Anne. I think her name is Anne. And the way that this it's got this weird sort of almost authentic married dynamic that I really appreciated. Yeah. And it's also it could be metaphorical for her finding liberation and also because it's it's set in a religious community, a small community, and he's the pastor. There's there's a certainly a comment on religious repression and how she uh, you know uses this this as a freeing sort of a moment to mm-hmm. to live as mm-hmm. as the again the the synopsis says live bolder. But uh, she's also a producer. Barbara Crampton is a producer on this, and apparently spent years trying to get it made. And, and I think it really comes out as a as really worthwhile project, especially for her. I mean, she's a favorite, obviously, for horror fans. But to see her break through with something like this, like, man, this is really solid. Of course, vampire movies are always fun, and, and this is a good one. Yeah, and she, it's directed by Travis Stevens, who had, pr- previous to this, he made Girl on Third Floor, and then after this, he made A Wounded Fawn, which was super weird, but really, really good. And I um, I just, I sort of like the trajectory of his career. I like the way he handles the film. So yeah. this was, yeah, this is, if you didn't see Jacob's Wife, it's very fun. And the county where their, their small town is in is... Um, Kinski County, mm-hmm. as in Klaus Kinski. Ah, Little nice. Vampire, yeah. Um, Easter eggs there. And, fun fact, it was filmed in the same house as my dog Skip. I would not from have 2000. <laughs> remembered that, having missed that Kevin Bacon classic. So that is a favorite of ours from 2021, number five, Housewives in Horror, Jacob's Wife. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, moving up to number four, this is a classic from 1975. Joanna has come to the quaint little town of Stepford, Connecticut, with her family, but soon discovers there lies a sinister truth in the all-too-perfect behavior of the female residents, the original, the Stepford Wives. I think that's what's going on in Stepford. I think there's something in the water that turns us into house frows, drones, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what they do exactly. They... They, they draw our pictures, and they tape our voices, and the women all look neat and pretty. Oh, God. You will now act it out. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I, you know, I think that the original, the, the original film from this, which is based on an Ira Levin novel who wrote Rosemary's Baby, um, is is still to me quite unnerving. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. It really is. Even though it it seems in a lot of ways a little bit sort of silly, but the idea that you know you think that it's a partnership and you think that you love each other and really they just want the outside of you. They don't care about anything else. Like it was such an unnerving film for me to watch the first time I saw it, and I do think that it stands up. I think that a lot of you know, a lot of sort of the the ideas stand up in the way that like um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the ideas stand up. Sort of the execution seems dated, but it's still something sort of primal and creepy about this movie. Yeah, not only was it from the Ira Levin uh, book, but William Goldman wrote the script, mm-hmm. who wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, wrote Marathon Man, Princess Bride, many. So very, very acclaimed screenwriter wrote this, uh, directed by Brian Forbes. And it's it also features obviously the the, the leading of the, the leading uh, ladies were Paula Prentice and Catherine Ross, mm-hmm. but Tina e- Louise Eagle Eyes in the cast you've got Tina Louise yeah. you've also got 
Franklin Cover, who who uh, fans of the Jeffersons will remember as um, the uh, the neighbor. Okay. The neighbors uh, across the hall, and the fir- this was the first screen appearance of D. Wallace. Wow. D. Wallace plays Tina Louise's maid. Okay. Named Nettie. So this is her, this is her uh, screen debut. Wow. Yeah, in the Stepford Wives. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, at the time it caused a lot of tongues wagging for, you know, uh, there was a feminist demonstration against it, decrying it as being sexist. And I think, yeah, but, you know, I think at the time with the, with the, uh, the mid-70s and all the uh, headlines about women's lib and everything, people were taking it in ways that it wasn't intended and maybe missing, missing a message. Well, the message was generated by a man. And then rewritten by a man, mm-hmm. and then directed by a man. So as much as <laughs> I'm sure that they had the right goals, uh, it, it, you know, there's a there's a reason that it didn't come off as maybe entirely mm-hmm. authentic. Although I do, I mean, I really do. I think that they get a lot right. And one of the things that I've always found fascinating about this movie is the Tina Louise character, because she is a trophy wife. That that's what she is, and that's not good enough, right? He needs to hollow her out and make her into a robot. That's that's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you married Ginger from Gilligan's Island. Right. Oh, yeah, it was crazy to me. But I, it's a very creepy film. It is creepy. Uh, Not I, I, the remake. I actually, I actually missed one. It's also the film debut of Mary Stuart Masterson. Uh, wow. She, she plays Catherine Ross's daughter. Daughter, right. Yeah, and then uh, uh, and her own father, Peter Masterson, was played, uh, played the husband. Oh. So that's how she, she got that part, obviously. But yeah, it is very creepy, and I think when... Uh, when Get Out came out, a lot of people rightly oh, saw, for sure. yeah, Absolutely. saw some parallels between that. And, of course, there were a lot of different homages in Get Out. Oh, tons. But you could definitely see the Stepford Wives in absolutely. there. Absolutely. Because it is creepy. There's also a, a there's some moments have a, a dark comedic nature about them. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's creepy. And any sort of those body snatchery movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is definitely one. And neither, you mentioned the remake, but neither this one or the remake really did very well at the box office. It's interesting that they they remade it. I, yeah. You know. Well, it became Stepford Wise became yeah. a, a, a cult classic. I mean, the the term just kind of moved true. into our lexicon. That so, is true. And it's not like anybody doesn't know what that means when you say say Stepford Wives. So uh, clearly, it it made its mark. And at one point, uh, as I mentioned, this was directed by Brian Forbes, but Brian De Palma was attached to this. Then it would not have been feminist in any conceivable way. <laughs> but uh, when screenwriter, apparently when screenwriter William Goldman got wind of this, he threatened to quit because he did, like, did not like De Palma at all. Mm. So that's the story. As the story goes, that's uh, how that <laughs> ended up with Brian Forbes at the director's chair for The Stepford Wives, the original from 1975. Definitely the, the preferred version. And I had forgotten. We looked up earlier. You remember who directed the remake of The Stepford Wives? Frank Oz. Right. Kermit the Frog. Frank Oz directed the remake. I had totally, totally forgotten that. But yeah, the original from 1975 is number four on our list of housewives and horror. Moving it up to number three. Oh, this is what we have talked about this one, haven't we? Yes. Uh, Aunt May's famous homemade dumplings provide amazing age-defying qualities popular with middle-aged women. But her latest customer, a fading actress, is determined to find out what the secret ingredient is. From 2004, it's dumplings.
We showed this movie. I knew this that is, we did. Yeah, this yeah. is one of my favorites. I love this movie. It is so weird and disturbing. And it is about a trophy wife, Mrs. Lee, who finds out about Aunt May and her dumplings. And um, and it's funny, you know, the synopsis, she's trying to find out. What's, Aunt May's pretty open about what's in her dumplings. <laughs> um, uh, and it's so, um, it's so well made. This movie is so... We, the sound design is so startling. Oh, and, that's and that's true. I forgot about unnerving. Yeah, and Aunt May, who is played by Bai Ling, who's been in five hundred million movies. Oh. She's in movies. She's in like sixty movies a year. She's never been better than she is in this movie. She's so good in this film, and I think that it does. You know, it it says a lot. It, there's a lot of sort of um, socio political messages in the film because of where it was made and when it was made that would just fly right over an American audience's head. But Fruit Chan is the writer director, and it was originally a short in a three, the Three Extremes, three extremes which yeah. is one of my favorite anthologies of all time. Every single one of those movies is great. And we're not we've mentioned before we're not the biggest fans of anthologies. No, but but that's, that Three Extremes yeah. is is definitely definitely a, a, a good one. And this was the short was part of that. Yeah. Yes, and this was the only one of those three shorts that became a feature film. And a lot of times, a film can't really make that leap very well. When you watch the feature, you're like, that's a lot of padding. Nope, not at all. I mean, it's just really uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. It's so hard for me to watch the film and believe that a, a man directed it. Now, a woman wrote it, which makes a lot more sense. It has insights about physically what makes a woman uncomfortable, that a dude would be like, what, does that hurt? Yes, <laughs> a great deal, actually. So, and, it, and I just think the performances are amazing. It's, it's one of those, going back to the short, it's one of those where you get the feeling that they had the, the feature already worked out Bef yeah. Before it's all because, the same cast, so yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, because so many times you're right. So many times when a when a short gets expanded, it's filler. Yeah. How are we going to get to 90 minutes or even you know 80, 85 minutes? But this does not feel that way at no, all. So not I at think all. I think the short might have almost been like a like a proof of concept sort of thing. Right. So but if uh, by chance you miss, because this was one of the ones we did in our first couple of years, because it's really one of my very favorites. If you've not seen Dumplings, do yourself a favor and look it up. That is from 2004. Number three on our list of housewives in horror. So we'll go up to number two, uh, and this is the one we're going to see tonight. So we'll just talk a little bit, but we won't uh, say much because about at least about half, I think, the crowd has not seen it from 2019. This is one we we got to see at Nightmares Film Festival. Yep, here at Gateway a few years ago. It, it was one of the premieres, which was great. Um, Hunter, a newly pregnant housewife, finds herself increasingly compelled to consume dangerous objects, and as her husband and his family tighten their control over her life. She must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. It is swallow. So what did you do for money before you met my son? Retail, mostly. A lucky break. I'm just real grateful. How does it make you feel when you swallow something? I just like the textures in my mouth. It made me feel in control, in control. I just wanted to make you happy. You get back here with my kid! I did something unexpected today. Haley Bennett stars magnificently. She's glorious. She's absolutely magnificent in this movie, and she also produces it. Um, and this is another one. I cannot get over the fact that a man wrote and directed this film. It's got a lot visually, I think. Um, it, to me, it's like, what if Marnie 
was told from the perspective of a female, yeah. but it's not. It's told from <laughs> a dude wrote it. It looks, it's got a, to me, it, it looks a lot like a cross between Marnie and Safe, which is, that's, 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 that's good territory for a film. Um, and it's, it's so fascinating the way this is put together. What, how one scene sort of moves to the next and, and the way that the visuals change. And also just Haley Bennett's performance is perfect. Yeah, she was much like we just talked about um, Barbara Crampton. As one of the producers, she w- was really struggling or trying to get this to the screen for a while because obviously she has some passion for the, for the project because it does speak to, speak to issues that you'll see as this plays out. And for a lot of horror, horror fans, they might not say, well, this is really borderline horror. And I can see that, but it is. You mentioned Marnie, very much so. It's very Hitchcock. So you'll definitely see some correlations uh, with Marnie in there and, and quote-unquote women, hysterical women yep. and things like that. And, but it's, it's all about control and, and a very real affliction. Yes. Um, swallowing what is known as pica, I believe. That's right. Yeah, a swallowing different and, and dangerous objects. So uh, I just also, I mean, I really admire, I really admire where this film goes. Um, I think that, we are very uh, used to seeing a film where the female would make a different choice. And I just, I, and the other thing is that um, I, I find the whole film very unnerving. The more controlled she is, the more I feel like I can't breathe while I'm watching it, mm-hmm. which is a tribute to the filmmaker. I mean, he just does a magnificent job. Yeah, very much so. So we'll leave it at that. But as always, we hope to get your comments. Come down after and we'll get you on the podcast and, Please and do. see what uh, you think of Swallow, number two. On our list of housewives in horror. 94 minutes later. Yeah, I think this is the third third time maybe I've seen it, starting with Nightmares. And it struck me this time, I, I didn't know why it, it wasn't as clear to me before, but it, the two metaphors, you've got lamb to the slaughter at the beginning, and then you've got multiple women just washing their hands of it at the end. Yeah. Um, and also I like the touch, if you, if you notice the font of the, of the credits at the beginning is very... Uh, Wedding invitation. Yes, it very is very proper. Yes, it very, is. yeah. So uh, sometimes it it takes multiple viewings to catch things like that. But I liked it better this time. Yeah, I love this movie. Who wants to talk about it? It may not have been a horror movie, but it was horrific. And it seems like the main subject of it was control, and she finally got control of her life. Yeah, very much so. And I think it's only. You know, this hasn't been out very long, but I think it's only gained in in you know narrative weight over the the country's mood and and things that have happened in the last few years because obviously they just viewed her as a birthing vessel and little more than that, um, and and that came through clearer this time as well. And Haley Bennett, as we've said, was great, but the the supporting cast as well, all all the other veteran character actors. I mean, the dad with David Paish. And the mom, Elizabeth Marvel, we've seen in a bunch of things. And then her, her birth father, Dennis O'Hare, there at the end. Uh, very good. And even, uh, what's the guy's name that plays the husband? Um, Austin, Austin, Sol, Austin Soul, I think. You've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He played uh, Billie Jean King's husband in the, the, the um, Bobby Riggs movie. So a, just, much, uh, a much nicer husband. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He put up yeah. with a lot more. He did. But uh, just a solid ensemble, and just really, you know, it's it's such a a mood from the beginning, and just really, really effective in the way. And I, and I think it's you make a good point. Uh, you made it earlier about the fact that that it was written by a man and directed by a man. That's 
that's almost shocking. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it really is. And I love, um, I love that it was sort of her captor in the end who like sided with her and helped her get out of that because I liked him from the very first scene. And I remember the first time I, I saw it thinking like, oh, I'm so glad that I get to keep liking this guy. <laughs> Turned out, as you said to me, you whispered, he turned out to be a good guy. He did. Uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me was the sound design in the movie. Mm. Just like hearing all the objects as she like places them in her mouth and hearing the gulping as she swallows it. It's just like kind of makes my skin crawl just thinking about her swallowing the thumbtack. Yeah, it's really it's, true. It starts with the ice at the scene at the dinner scene with the with her with her um, in laws. That's the first time you really notice it. It is a beautifully. Um, created sound design. Absolutely agree with that. Yeah, and even the feeling that I, I agree with that too. But and also the feeling that you get just from looking at the tray of objects that she lined up as as prizes that she she swallowed and they got bigger and bigger. Like good God! And and just all it took was just a shot, and it wasn't heavy handed in any way. But you were you were seeking out to look at these things she was swallowing. And yeah, it is horrific. It is such a beautifully shot film. Really is. It's just, it's just gorgeous. I love, and I love, you know, um, when they move away from it, um, when she starts to like take steps toward controlling her life again, it becomes shakier. It becomes less sort of this, you know, um, still life that they're filming, and becomes more like real life, messy. You know, and it also, since we were talking about it earlier. It gave me a little bit of the Stepford Wives vibe, absolutely, a little, a little yeah, bit yeah. the way they treated her, and yes, then no, how absolutely. the husband just turned on a dime yep. from, you know, oh yeah, I, I miss us to just vicious and bring back my kid, right. and I, you know, as the phone was being hung up on, yeah, yeah, just just turned on a dime. I mean, so first, if you ever wanted to make a list of, uh, you know, worst psychiatrists in horror movies, <laughs> this one definitely deserves a spot That's on a the good list. list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I do love the way, though, that like the like subtle infantilization of both him and her at the, you know, because like early in the movie where we see her playing games and like rearranging little knickknacks and things in a way that seems like really childlike and. Uh, I think it's supposed to set us up to kind of make us feel like she's very innocent and, you know, like less of a person and to dehumanize her. Meanwhile, as we go through the film, the husband becomes just more and more of you see just what kind of child he is from the start of like, because, of course, nobody who has actually earned something is told you really earned it when you're the son of the, head of the company. <laughs> right, right. But, you know. And then just like how he's constantly like he gets what he wants, you know, he he doesn't get off during sex. He needs to have that no matter what happened to her. He can't ruin or she can't ruin his birthday. Right. You know, suddenly he just needs everything is his and it's his to have. And, you know, like and it's just I don't know. I think that uh, obviously there's another social commentary in there about oh, yeah. the, about the rich. But like it definitely shows just how they also treat you know, the women in their lives just as, you know, even, like you said, like like birthing vessels, like toys, like objects to be had. And even down to the little, the guy who wants a hug. That guy. I love that. I love, it seems so random. And then I love when she hears him say it to somebody else. It's mm. so great. But I also love what you're talking about. Every time they show the husband sitting alone with his parents 
where he doesn't he doesn't have anything to say. He does he has no agency of his own. He's just sitting there like I'm just waiting for somebody to take care of this for me. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Yeah, there there's just a great amount of juxtaposition like that. Like how she's playing around with the games on her phone. How many times does he just get on his phone to start typing to someone with saying nothing and we learn later on in the movie that he obviously does nothing at work like he doesn't do business he's he's just a guy who entertains other people mergers and acquisitions <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um you know and just like with with the guy that wants the hug like it's so meaningful to her because she's obviously starved for some sort of meaningful interaction with somebody but then when you see him ask some other woman for sure. it like it it robs it of any meaning that it might have had for her earlier and really it's only her caretaker the one who was the least human of her interactions that gives her the one thing that you know that she actually needed and you know like that scene under the bed is really touching i teared up a little bit during it you know it's just it's a it's a really touchingly human moment that you see that she doesn't have. And it sounds like even based on some of the stuff that she tells her psychiatrist that she hasn't had a lot of through her entire life. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's interesting that the yeah this sort of who's this guy who is hired to keep you from eating things? He seems creepy. But then also the only other person who gives her anything akin to good a good relationship is the rapist who accidentally fathered her. Mm -hmm. It's a fascinating idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah and an alarming. Yeah, who treats her as maybe a, an actual human person. First, as clearly a threat, which is what she is. Sure. And then, but it's her first opportunity to actually be the person in control right. of the situation. That's why she makes him say it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All good stuff. And we'll go up to number one. And this is a very recent movie. Uh, I haven't talked to, boy, I don't know if I've talked to anyone who's seen this movie that didn't like it. This is from last year. A young American woman moves with her husband to Bucharest and begins to suspect that a stranger who watches her from the apartment building across the street may be a local serial killer decapitating women. It's Watcher. I saw the man in the window again. He's been watching us since we moved in. Which window is it? Right there. Me. Don't worry. He probably has a little crush on you. You're not really looking in here, are you? Chloe Acuna! So this was clearly made by a woman because it's like it's like every third it's like every third um uh, diploma movie you've ever seen but made by a woman. And um, it's so well made, and she's just borderline, she's not exactly a housewife, but she's moved to a foreign country where she doesn't have a work visa, so she can't get a job. So she has nothing to do all day but sit around her apartment. And um, I love, love, love how subtly but thoroughly and well the movie upends all of your expectations because you absolutely have seen this movie before, just not from this perspective. So it's very nuanced yeah. and really, really good. And your friend Bern Gorman did a great job. Bern Gorman, the guy who's the watcher across across the street. What a just a face. You, you see his face <laughs> like this guy is weird. Yeah. Um so if you of all the guys you don't want watching you from yeah. across the street that guy. For sure. But it's it's really set up well just from the beginning where obviously she's moving to Bucharest so she's already an outsider and just from you know the very one of the very first scenes she's in a cab and her husband is speaking in a foreign tongue to the 
the driver and they're they're laughing maybe about her but right away you feel as she does as you're an outsider yeah and it's it's right from the beginning it puts you in that mood because and right away right the director chose not to caption any of the hungarian that's spoken yep. so you're yep. forever in her perspective and people are talking about her and she knows it mm -hmm. and she's just trusting her husband to tell her what they're really saying but he's not and because then, eventually she picks up enough to it's such a good movie yeah and then the far the more it goes along with the the fears that she has about the watcher and the things that she says and then gaslighting you know gaslighting mm -hmm. is all over this and then it leads to such a satisfying conclusion yeah. i was actually surprised yeah. at where how far they went yeah. in the in the finale but man it is it's satisfying yeah it is and i think one of the things that and pushed, Monroe, we pushes it over the cliff oh uh, yeah the lead the lead is played by Megan Monroe from it follows and a bunch of other stuff and she's great as she always is she's really really good she is really really good and this one um it's yes it's only a a year old so if if you didn't catch it uh, please do. I've seen on, on social media, I think a lot of people are just now catching it, mm. that, that missed it. And like I said, I think everybody that I've, that I've seen uh, come across it have really liked it. So, and, uh, and Chloe Acuna, she made this short from the VHS 1994, VHS 94. She made it with Hal Ratma. Do you remember that one? Easily the best one in, but it was also shot in Columbus. Yeah. Clearly, it was shot in Columbus, which makes me love it even more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why it was. She's not from here. I have no idea why they shot it here, but it was clearly shot here, Yeah. which is awesome. How do we know that? Because I fell that one time trying to get into the gates of hell over there in uh, Clintonville. Anyway, long story. George had to drag my ass all like wet and filthy up this yeah. hill. It was terrible. And she had, you had that bruise for six months. I did. I bruise easily. Yeah, I'm see, that's what pasty. happens when we try to get in out of the gates of hell. That's right. But number one, watch Mother's Day. It's what I want to do for Mother's Day that year. And anyway, why not? That's right. Solid from 2022 Watcher, number one on our list of housewives in horror. And I know we're a little bit late getting started because of the technical problems that, uh, for you podcast listeners, but real didn't quick, happen at all. No, that's <laughs> right. Because we're going to fix them. Real quick. We want to tell you to come back next month. We're going to watch The Happiness of the Katakuris. So if you like Takashi Miike, and if not, why not? This is one of his 130 films. Uh, <laughs> it is a musical there's some claymation. There is a great deal of death, a lot of it. It is funny. It's about lovable losers, and therefore that will be our podcast topic, lovable losers. And if you have thoughts about individuals in horror films that you think is your favorite lovable loser, we invite you to tell us about it on the Fright Club pod. What, what, what's, our, what's the Facebook group? Just Fright Club podcast on Facebook. Just join if you haven't uh, already. Of course, you can always find us on the Fright Club pod on Twitter. Right. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Takashi Miike, one of our favorites. Yes. I think in the time it has taken us to mess with these technical problems, He's he made has it. making two movies. Oh, yeah, I think he, you're right. The guy I just cranks them out. And they just go, I mean, the, the, the extremes that he goes to, you know, something as wild as Gozoo, and then this uh, musical take, it's a weird take on the sound of music. Um, he's always, you know, I don't love everyone. Like, I'll be honest, this is not my favorite of his, but it's nuts. It is it nuts. It is totally nuts. I'm trying uh, to think of, so this will be the third Miike that we've shown, mm -hmm. but we haven't shown Ichi the Killer yet, so we should show that one. Ichi the Killer, yeah. Getting yeah. a lot of thumbs up here. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> thumbs up for me. Yeah, so that'll be uh, July 14th, right back here at Gateway Film Center, and yeah, lovable losers so yep. we'd love to have your uh, your your thoughts either at fright club pod on twitter or the uh, facebook facebook group and also you can always find us uh, mad wolf columbus on facebook and instagram and the main website where you can find uh, all of our uh, 
written movie reviews and our other podcast, The Screening Room, which comes out weekly. That's all at madwolf.com. So I think we're ready to roll, are I we think not? we are, yes. All right. Well, keep in touch if you can. And please come down after and get us, uh, give us your reactions to Swallow. I think this will be very interesting uh, to get some takes as we roll it here in a couple of minutes. So until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay-